Welcome to Passion Life Church. Incredible series that we've entitled A God Encounter, A Collision with the Unexpected. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Luke chapter 5? We're going to begin reading in verse 1. Luke chapter 5, begin reading in verse 1. And we've just been talking about how in our lives we need to be expecting God to do something. I, I don't know what you're believing for. How many of you are expecting God to do something in your life? Let me see your, let me see your hand all the way up. Man, how good it's, you know how good it is to preach to expectant people. It's amazing. I love it. It fires me up. We've been talking about how we should be expecting during the week a collision with the unexpected, expecting the unexpected. And we've been looking through some people in the Bible and how they encountered God. And I just want to encourage you, just because we're finishing out this series called A God Encounter doesn't mean that we need to stop expecting after this week. Come on, can I hear a good amen? That we would be expecting. And I, I believe that he still wants us to encounter him. And let me just give you a real quick commercial. I want to just tell you next week. Everybody say next week. Next week, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to have worship like we do, but it's going to be more of a hope and healing type service. I'll tell you what that means is that we are going to pray for people. If you are sick or know some people that are sick, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for your family. Um, you know, I just feel like we need to pray for some people. Maybe you've started a business or something, but we're just going to make it all about prayer, and then and we're going to pray for people, and then we're going to just take some communion together. How many of you think that would be good? And just see what, what God will do. And so um, we, we just want you to come. And then the week after that, we have Rex Crane, who is uh, out of Orange County, L.A. area, and he is incredible. He uh, is actually a life coach to many celebrities, and uh, if you've never heard him speak or been involved in one of his um, services, man, he just has the Holy Spirit all over him. And I just want to encourage us to invite some people. It's just going to be pretty amazing. And so today what I want to do in Luke chapter 5, we're going to be reading about a man named Simon. His name would be changed to Peter, so I may use that interchangeably today. And I love him because he's just an ordinary guy. He has a fishing business and he's going to encounter Jesus and it will change everything. How many of you agree today that the God encounter that you've had or have had in the past kind of changed everything for you? I think some of us, you know, um, we're in here. Yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause if you'd like to do that. I think we're here today because we've had a God encounter. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, And it was, and so it was, as the multitude, multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he, that, that he is Jesus, that he stood by the lake of Gerset. Now, I want us to understand something about this lake called Gerset. It's important to know that this lake is in Galilee, all right? And it's also known as the Sea of Galilee, verse 2. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them uh, and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to push out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out. Everybody say, launch out. Say this with me. Say, it's time to launch out. I think you've been in the same place too long, and it's time to launch out. Come on, somebody. Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon, but Simon, but, 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 but Simon answered. How many of you know your butt can get in the way of what God wants to do? I won't tell you how some of us have bigger butts and little butts. But some of us, it's like, my butt, you just don't understand, Pastor Phil. My butt, I would, I would believe God, but that's what I'm talking about, B-U-T. 
Some of us have smaller buts. He's like, yeah, but, you know, but I love this because Peter, Simon goes, but he answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to the partners in the boat to come and help. Hey, come help us. Ayúdanos, por favor. That's how we would say it in Spanish. And they came and filled the boats. And so they, let me read that again. I got so caught up in my Spanish here that I, I was like, wow, I really said that. And they came and filled both the boats and so that they begin to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees. How many of you know that it's the goodness of God that brings people to repentance? It's the goodness of God. He just saw the goodness of God. When you realize how good God is, man, it makes you want to just worship him. And it says he got down on, at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. I am a sinful man, O Lord. And he and all of them were astonished. Say astonished. I really believe that this is what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to astonish us. And they were all astonished to catch uh, fish, which they had taken. And so also were James and John and the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid, for now you will catch men. One translation says you will be a fisher of men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. I have entitled today, God is not finished yet. God is not finished with you yet. I love that song that we sang during worship. It's called Hindsight, and it's from Hillsong, and that's basically the title. But as I was reading through Peter's life, and obviously today we don't have time to go through all of it today, but I just want to highlight some things because I believe that no matter where you are today, God's not finished with you yet. And you may be like Mr. Uber Christian and, man, you're doing good and Mr. Righteous and Mrs. Righteous and you've had, you know, 20 years of experience. I want to tell you, God's not finished with you yet. And you may be here and it's your first time coming back to church and you've made mistakes. And, and I, can I tell you, God's not finished with you yet either. Come on, somebody. And so God is not finished with us yet. But I almost called this message, it's fishy. Because when you talk about Peter, he had a, a business, a fishing business, and there's a lot of references today to fish, and, and, uh, but I almost called it It's Fishy. You know, my wife, who is here today in the service, she usually helps out um, with, our, with our kids' life. And I would tell you, get involved back there, man. God is doing some incredible things in those kids' life. But she's here today, and she's always telling me, Phil, you got to eat more fish. You got, it's so, she like, she loves fish, right, my love? She just loves, you got to eat more fish. Now, here's the problem. I hate fish, and I'm going to tell you why. I hate to eat fish because I saw Finding Nemo. And after that, I could not eat fish. No, I'm kidding. It has nothing to do with Finding Nemo. Here's the reality. I don't like fish because it tastes like fish. It doesn't taste like chicken. It tastes like fish. So there are people who tell me you need to eat it. But here's the reality. There are some fish that don't taste as fishy. So I've tried those. And guess what? They taste like fish. So here's what people try to do. They say this. They say, here, listen, try tilapia. Tilapia doesn't taste like fish. So here's my question. 
If you love fish, why are you eating something that doesn't taste like fish if you want to eat fish? But you're telling me to eat fish, but it doesn't taste like fish. That's like me saying, oh, you know what? You don't eat cheesecake? Have a, have a bite of my cheesecake. It doesn't taste like cheesecake. I don't understand, but I just don't like it. I don't like the way it tastes. But then I found, thank you, Jesus, for fish oil pills. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Now, those do not taste like fish. Thank you, Jesus. But I'm just going to say, and I'm going to declare here at Passion Life Church, I think for those of us that do not like to eat fish, we should get a name too. Like the vegans, they got, I'm a vegan. We got the ketos. Any of the ketos here today on the keto diet, right? You got the keto. And then we also have, right, the vegetarians, the vegetarians, right? So I think, you know what, if, I'm, if I don't like fish, I think I'm going to call myself a fishitarian. Fishitarian, that's what I'm going to do. Or did you ever hear about that person, like that person that said, I don't eat fish, I don't eat chicken, I don't eat beef, I don't eat lamb, most pork. I just call myself fussy. Anyway, so. <laughs> but Peter had a fish. Come on, get lined up this morning. It's all right, some of you think, I'm, like, I'm still going to heaven because I don't eat fish. Some of you are like, well, I got a, a fish sticker on the back of my car. But I love those types of fish. But Peter had a, a business, and I love this because he's just a normal guy. And, uh, you know, he's just cleaning his nets. He, he went out for a catch and didn't catch anything. And Jesus walks by and asks him if, if he could use his boat. Because the people were pressing against Jesus. A lot of people believe that the reason why Jesus got in the boat and pushed back because water actually um, will, will um, reflect a, a person's voice or reflect volume. So he didn't have a microphone, so he got back into this boat and began to talk to all these people. And I have a question today. If Jesus needs your boat, will you give it to him? See, because this boat represents the livelihood of Peter. And I want to know, are you going to allow Jesus into your livelihood? Because let me just tell you this. If you let Jesus use your boat, you'll never get just a boat back. You will get much more than just a boat back. But will you let him into your boat? And Jesus looks down as he's preaching and he finishes the message and he notices that Peter is cleaning his nets. Now, usually when you're cleaning your nets, it means that you are done, you are finished, and Jesus notices something. My church family, I love this. Jesus notices that Peter caught nothing. Jesus notices that Peter is frustrated. P Jesus noticed. That, that Peter was tired. He noticed. And today, here's what I want to do. I want to show you four ways that God wants to work in your life. Here's number one. He wants to work in your life, but it's important that we turn our nothing into a nevertheless. Let me say that again. Turn our nothing into a nevertheless. Jesus sees that Peter is frustrated, he's tired, and he caught nothing. But he says this. Get those nets that you're cleaning and let's launch out again. You know that word launch in the Greek actually means let's put it out there again. Let's put it out there again. Let's launch out again into the deep. And what I find interesting is that first Peter's like, okay, Jesus, uh, okay, listen. Now you got to understand this perspective. Peter is a professional fisherman. And he's talking to Jesus and he's like, okay, listen, I, I understand that you, you know you're preaching and all this stuff. But I am a professional fisherman, and I want you to understand, Jesus, listen. It's well known on the Sea of Galilee that when you're going to fish, you fish at night, 
and you look for the fish in the shallow. You do not really fish in the day, and you do not go launching out into the deep. And it was interesting to Peter that Jesus was saying this, and it didn't make sense to him because that's not how it's supposed to be done. But here's what I love about Peter. Peter just didn't stop when he caught nothing. He said this. He said, okay, here's the truth. This is not really when we're supposed to fish. We've caught nothing. But nevertheless, at your word, I will launch out into the deep. Do you know that when Peter said that to Jesus, that we've toiled all night, that literally means this, I'm exhausted. I don't know if you've ever been there. Through your work, through life, man, you're just exhausted. I hear it all the time. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. And I don't know about you, but I don't mind being tired and exhausted if I was fruitful and plentiful during the week. But there's nothing like being tired and exhausted and feeling like you got nothing out of it. And this is where Peter was at. He caught nothing. Now, I want you to hear this. And here's the truth. The truth is, is that with all of Peter's experience, all of his experience as a professional fisherman, he couldn't catch one fish. He couldn't catch one fish. And you know, what I think is interesting is that Jesus says, let's try again. And Jesus said, let's launch out into the deep. And Peter said, you know what? All right, I know I've caught nothing, but at your word, nevertheless, I need to turn my nothing into a nevertheless. Watch this. Peter gave Jesus' word higher authority than his own experience and said, nevertheless. You know what nevertheless means in the Greek? It means uh, uh, but. It means I, I will. Okay, but you said it, I will. See, that's what faith does. Faith puts your butt in Jesus' hands. Let me try this side. Faith puts your butt in Jesus' hands. Here's my butt, Jesus. I'll do it. Because you said it. I know how things look, but you said this. I'm going to turn my nothing into the nevertheless. See, Peter made a decision. Listen, I'm going to do what I can do. Nevertheless, I'm going to launch out. I'm going to do what I can do, and Jesus will do what I can't do. I will do what I can do, and Jesus will do what I can't do. My church family, if we will take God at his word, God can do miracles in our life, and he can do more than you can do without him. And see, here's what I love about Peter. Peter's tired and exhausted, but he decides to make a decision to follow Jesus. I know people who are tired and exhausted. They come to church and they hear this type of message, but they still won't let Jesus do life with them. They still won't let Jesus into the boat. They still won't do what he says, and they're still tired, and they're still exhausted, and they never experience the miracle and I think quitting, looking at your nets and saying, I caught nothing, looking at your life, thinking, man, this isn't worth it. I think quitting sometimes can be our, our response. I think sometimes people quit on relationships. Pastor Phil, you don't understand. I had a marriage, and, uh, man, I, I did everything. And we went through a divorce. I got nothing. I feel like I got nothing. Maybe I got two kids or three kids, but you know what? Out of this relationship, I got 
nothing. You got to turn your nothing into a nevertheless and launch out again or else you're going to live like a little hermit crab in your house and you're going to be bitter and upset. And I believe that God is saying, listen, if you'll say nevertheless and launch out again, I can do a miracle in your relationships. Come on, I can do something different in your life. I feel like sometimes people, because they don't see anything happening in the area of their dream and their vision that God has them, they just like, they quit. They quit. But my church family, I believe we need to get nevertheless back into our vocabulary. Start saying nevertheless. Listen, my church family, God doesn't want to just do a miracle for you. He wants to do a miracle with you. I believe it's time to launch out again. And I don't know who I'm talking to this week, but I believe that God is asking you, it's time to take some risk again. It's time to put yourself out there again. And you may be single and ready to mingle and you've been hurt and nothing has happened. But I'm just telling you, if you'll put yourself out there, with some wisdom and some prayer and launch out again. Maybe for some of you, you've done business before and there's something stirring in your heart today to go and launch out again. It's time to launch out again, my church family. It's time to say, nevertheless, God, at your word, I'm going for it. Are you here this morning? I love this. We have to get nevertheless back into our vocabulary. And Peter launches out and he has a net breaking, boat sinking type harvest, fisher jumping into the boat. But what I think is interesting is that Jesus was trying to expand his thinking. I think we think too small. You know, many times Jesus said to people in the Bible when he was on the earth, he said, oh, ye of little faith. In essence, this is what he was saying. Why do you act so little from a God who has so much? Our prayers are too small. You've heard me say this before. Faith has a big ask. Has a big ask. God, listen, he couldn't catch one fish, but at Jesus' word, his nets are breaking and the boats are sinking with fish. And Jesus was trying to expand his thinking, and I think he's trying to expand ours. Watch. How do I know that Jesus was trying to expand Peter's thinking? Because in Luke chapter 5, verse 4, look at what Jesus said to Peter. He said, when he had stopped speaking, he told Peter, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and, what does he say? Let down your nets. Plural. Nets. It's hard to let down all your nets when you've caught nothing. And look what he says. He says, let down your nets for a catch. Watch what Simon Peter does. But Simon Peter answered and said, Master, I have toiled all night, and I caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down a net. A net. And you know what happened? Is that Peter didn't plan enough. And because of that, this miracle was so overwhelming. And I just asked myself when I read this, are we preparing for what we're praying for? Are we preparing for the miracle that we're asking God for? You know, you may be here and you're single and man, you just, you just want to get married. Man, that's great. You can't just sit at home and pray all day. Come on. You got to ladies put some makeup on <laughs> guys. You need to shower. Well, I thought I hear a better amen from the ladies when I say that. Come on. I talk to people, I'm praying, listen, I'm praying for, I'm praying for somebody to come along and date me. And I'm looking at them like, yeah, you may need to go get a haircut though. <laughs> like you may need to start preparing for what you're praying for. 
right? I wanted to get a house. I'm praying for a house. I know me and my wife were, we were believing for a house. We lived in an apartment when we planted the church, right, for six to seven years. But you know what? We started to take on our debt and we started to say, you know what? When we get to this house, we're going to be ready for the house because God wants you to have some margin. God wants you to start to prepare for the miracle that he's about to bring in your life. Let's launch out again. Let's cast out some nets. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that they were all astonished. They were all astonished. Something is happening in me this year for next year. I believe God wants to astonish us again. But I think a lot of us are stuck in nothing. And when you're stuck in nothing and you won't say God nevertheless at your word, you're not going to be astonished. God loves astonishing his people. Man, this scripture, 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, but it is written, eye has not seen nor ear has heard nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. There are things that you haven't even seen yet, my church family. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says this, now unto him who was able to exceedingly abundantly do above all that we can ask or think or imagine according to the power that works in us. There are thoughts that God has for us that we haven't even thought yet. There are things that God has for us that we haven't even asked for yet. And we are here stuck in our Christianity. And I'm going to tell you what, this is what happens in Christianity when you get bored. When you stop acting in faith, when you stop taking and launching out again, you get bored. But I want to tell you this, if you will turn your nothing into nevertheless, and you will start to say, God, I will do it your way, God can give you a net-breaking, boat-sinking miracle. I'm glad six people are happy about that. Because if you think I'm still talking about fish, you're missing the point today. But you know what? As I read that, I was so excited. God astonished us. I want to, and I don't know what you're looking at that seems to be nothing. And God is stirring the nevertheless inside of you saying, nevertheless. See, the reality of it is, is that Peter could do more with Jesus than he could do without him. And it's the same for our lives. And I love that. And I don't want to minimize that miracle. But something really got to me as I read this scripture in Luke chapter 5, this chapter that we just read. Because, watch this, even though they were astonished, this was the biggest catch they ever had in their lives with Jesus. And even though they were astonished, guess what? God wasn't finished yet. That's the title of my message. Even though this miracle was so amazing and impossible, Jesus did the impossible. He wasn't finished yet with them. He wasn't finished with them. It says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And when I read the story in Luke chapter 5, verse 11, it says this. So when they had brought their boats to the land, watch this, they forsook all. And followed him. Jesus astonishes them. There's fish everywhere. Come on, say it's fishy. There's fish everywhere. And here's something we need to realize. Number two is Jesus wants to make you after the miracle he gave you. See, here's the reality that when I read this incredible miracle, fish everywhere. And Jesus says, follow me and I will make you. And I'm going to be honest with you right here. I don't, I'm looking at like my boat, my business is booming, 
and fish everywhere. And Jesus says, if you'll follow me, I will make you into fishers of men. And the Bible says they turned from the miracle, from the fish, and they started to follow Jesus. And I'm thinking to myself, Peter, I hope you have somebody that you delegated all those fish to. You know, I think business sometimes, like, what happened to all those fish? But you know what? The reality is the Bible says that they forsook all and followed him. And I want to know today, are, are you willing to follow Jesus even after he does the miracle that you've been asking him to do? Because as a pastor, here's what I see. I see people pray for a miracle and often God will do it in their life. And then I don't see them again. See, here's what I have found. When you are desperate and you have nothing, man, you'll go after God. You know, in the first two years of our church, it was really, really tough. I mean, we were planting, and I hope that you will make it for this new, this new series called Seasons. I'm so excited about it because there's a season for everything in our life. And you may not like the season that you're in, but the good thing about seasons is they always change. But sometimes the season of your in, you're in is preparing you for the next season that God has for you. And if you miss the season that you're in, you may not make it to the next season. But too bad we're not in that series today. But I talk with people and they're like, you know, Phil, I'm praying. I'm praying and, you know, I'm praying that God will do a miracle. And then he does the miracle. And then you know what? They stopped following him after he gave them what they needed. And I'm going to tell you. I am a prosperity guy. I am a God wants to bless you guy. But I'm going to tell you this. If you only see God as a sugar daddy, you're missing the whole point of Christianity. Because listen, listen, listen. He does answer prayers and he does do miracles. But you know what? He wants to do more than just give you stuff. He wants you. And he wants you to know him for who he is. That's really what he wants. And he wants to make us after he does the miracle. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to people and they'll say, you know, Pastor Phil, I'm praying for this, praying for that. And then, well, God answered my prayer. And then, you know what? I, I don't see them. I don't see them in church. Well, I need a healing, Pastor Phil. You know what? I got the healing that I need. So, you know what? I, I don't go back. And then they stop praying like they used to pray when they needed now, listen, I understand when our first church first started and, and we, 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 man, it was a lot of work and, and it, was a, it was a season. But I will tell you this, those times got me down on my knees. But God forbid I just pray and I get desperate for God just when I'm in trouble. What if we had, uh, we were desperate to know him despite what we need? And so that's a little deeper. I know, and I'm talking to you today as mature people, and maybe you're here for the first time, but listen, I want you to know something. God wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. The miracles are all pluses, man. The miracles are all bonuses that come with the package. You know, the Bible says that Moses knew God's ways, but the children of Israel knew his acts. I want to know his ways. I want to know why he's moving this way. I want to know him. And I believe Jesus is saying to us today, he wants more than a moment with you. He wants to give you more than just a miracle. He wants to make your life. He said, follow me and I will make you. Now, this Greek word isn't make you like Jesus wants to take your hand and put it back there. It's not that word. What he was saying, this word in the Greek means, let me form your life. 
let me fashion your life. I don't know how many of you guys here today that your wife picks out what you wear because she wants you to be fashionable. She fashions you. I know my wife is always like looking at my eyebrows and I appreciate it because every once in a while I have like this eyebrow that goes rogue. It's like this. I was talking. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what. There's going to be a long line talking to Adam in, in, in heaven because getting old is not fun. Come on, somebody. I got hair coming out of places that it shouldn't be coming out of. It's coming out of my ears. I'm like, I, I want to take it out of my ears and put it back on my head. Like, it should be a head, not ears. But I got those coming out. And then I just got these rogue eyebrows. And she'll look at me, and she'll just go, and she'll go grab her tweezers. And as I'm talking, and she did it, she did it yesterday. And she just, and I'm telling you what. Now I understand why we do not give birth <laughs> as men. Because that felt right, to me, like I was giving birth to a child. Not that I would know what that feels like. And I, I'm like, I, I'm fighting tears. And she just plucked one eyebrow. I was talking, to, I'm just laughing because I was talking to this guy, and God bless his heart, you know. And uh, he was older, probably, I don't know, 105. I, I don't know, he was older. But when I was talking, he had one of those long eyebrows that was coming. I mean, it was almost like touching me on the head when I was talking to him. And when I was looking at him, I was, just, I was like, um, you know, I, I didn't want to, you know, I just love. And so I just gave him a hug and God bless you. But here's my point. My, my wife likes to make sure that I'm fashioned before I walk out the door so I'm presentable. And as much as you, and I don't know where you are in the fashion industry in terms of what you wear or not, but you look at yourself, you want to make sure you're presentable. But I want to tell you, this, this is what this word means, is that God wants to fashion you, and he wants to mold your life and make your life. He wants to take out all of the things that, right, are going to trip you up. And he says, if you'll follow me, see, right now you're catching fish, but the plan that I have for you is way bigger than that. You're actually going to start catching men. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to take what you do naturally and I'm going to use it for eternity. And if you will allow me to fashion you and mold your life, you will look in the mirror one day and not even recognize yourself. Because God will make you. And the Bible says they left all the fish, everything in that miracle. And they walked away and followed him. And this is the question I wondered. What if they didn't follow what if Peter's like, you know, Jesus, thank you. Listen, like this miracle was so amazing. I'm gonna stay right here and I'm gonna clean this up, go cash this in and, uh, you know, get the money and all that. What if Peter didn't follow Jesus? Now, see, here's the unique thing. We get to read the whole story. We know Peter's life. If you read the Bible, we get to see the future. But you know, Peter didn't know. Peter didn't know he was in the Bible. Peter didn't know what was ahead. He had no idea. But here's the thing. If Peter wouldn't have followed Jesus, Peter would have never walked on water. I don't know about you, but if you want to compare miracles, if he says, hey, I'm going to fill your boat up, I'm going to fill your nets up, or you can walk on water, which one would you choose? I don't know, but to me, walking on water is a pretty cool thing. I've tried it many times, and it didn't work. I tried it in the pool. I tried it in the bathtub. It doesn't work. 
But here's the reality. What I'm saying was that God wasn't finished with Peter yet. That miracle was just to start to motivate him to go forward. Not for him to stagnate, but to move him. And I wonder, will you move after the miracle? Or will you just stay in the same place and say, thank you, I'll go along my way. If Peter didn't follow him, not only would he have not walked on water, he would have never seen that guy at the gate beautiful. Remember when him and John walked up to the gate beautiful and the guy says, hey, you have some alms? And the famous saying that Peter said, remember, he said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. Get up and walk. And a man who never walked in his entire life gets up and begins to walk. Peter would have never seen that if he wouldn't have followed after the miracle. Peter would have never written in the Bible. Do you know that we're still listening and looking at his life today? And what I'm saying to you, my church family, is God isn't finished with you yet. There's still more miracles that he wants to do in your life. And I am tempted to be small-minded sometimes because I look at back what he's done. And please, please understand my heart. I'm not saying that we're not supposed to be grateful. We are supposed to be grateful. We're supposed to give God thanks. But you know what I think sometimes? We limit God because of what he's done in the past. And he wants to do so much more in our lives. Come on. Can you give him a good round of applause? Come on, give him some good praise. He's not finished with you yet. And if we're going to experience all that God has for us, you can't quit moving after a miracle. And I think about that. Can I be honest with you today? I think about, do I love what God does for me more than I love him? Because, like, when you come to Jesus in the beginning, there's a lot of great miracles. I mean, a lot of stuff, man. He just, it's, it's amazing. But I don't want to just be in love with his stuff. I want to be in love with him. And I think about that when I think about my son, who a lot of times will ask me for more V-Bucks when he's playing Fortnite. And before, when he used to ask me for stuff, I would tell him, Listen, you need to come over here and kiss daddy, give me a hug. Because if you do, I want you to know, I want to know you love me, that you don't want and just love what I have. But I want you to know your dad. I want you to know that there's going to be times where I have to say no, and it's not because I don't love you, but it's because I want to protect you. See, when God says no, it's not rejection, it's protection. And if you know his heart, you'll understand that he's protecting you. And I think that if my son and I, at the end of our lives, whenever that comes, if all he knew was what I gave him, I think it would be a tragedy because there's so much more to me than just what I give. It's my character. It's the person of who I am. And God wants us to know him. That's why Paul said, the greatest thing I wanna do is know him. I wanna know him. I wanna know who's this Who's this God that puts all this fish in a net and it's breaking and boats are sinking? Who's this God that calls me out to walk on the water? Who is this God that feeds 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes? I want to know who he is. And I want to tell you, well, let me ask you this. How many of you today would say you've seen God at least, at least do one miracle in your life? Let me see your hand. Let raise it high. Look at all this. Put it down. How many of you have seen God do like, I mean, miracles are miracles. Don't, don't get me wrong. But how many of you have seen him do like, you just know 
that it, there was no way on this earth that you could do it. Somebody else, it had to be God. How many of you seen those kind of miracles? Man, look at these hands. And can I tell you, he's still not finished with you yet. Woo! He's still not done. And he can still outdo himself in your life. So let's not get stagnant. Let's keep moving and say, God, I want to know you. You know, and Peter does follow Jesus. And I love this. And if I could just fast forward for the sake of time, Peter follows Jesus. But however, before Jesus goes to the cross, he looks at Peter and he says this to him. He says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. When the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And you know what, my church family, this is what I love about the Bible. It's not filled with perfect people. It's people who made people who are, are, uh, are human, denies Jesus. And I, I don't know, I think that we can really look at this and go, wow, you know, he denied Jesus. But I wondered, and I looked at my life and I go, how many times, even though after I've admitted that I loved him, how many times have I denied him? How many times have I denied him working in my life? Do we want to put that on a scale? But three times he denied Jesus. I mean, he makes a big, big mistake. But here's what I love about it. He does repent. But it's interesting to me is that when Peter makes a mistake, and I just want to tell you, if you're here today and you're just checking out all this whole God thing and, and you honestly feel like, man, you know, you just made so many mistakes, I want to encourage you today. Your mistakes are not bigger than his mercy. You're whatever you've done. Listen, there's grace for you today and there's forgiveness for you today and God's not finished with you yet. And he makes a mistake, but here's what I find so interesting is that not only does he make a mistake, he goes back to his old life. He goes back to fishing. Come on, say it's fishy. He goes back to his old life. He goes back to fishing. And here's what I found, that a person that doesn't have a vision of the future will always return to their past. See, when you break up with that boy that you were dating, if you don't see a vision of Brad Pitt or, come on, if you don't see a vision, right, of who, I was going to say Ricky Martin, but he's probably not. not, not if you, that's old school, man. I don't know where that came from. But if you don't see a vision, this is why so many people go back to their ex. Because they don't see a vision. I will tell you, if you don't see a vision of the future, you may go back to your old life. But I want to encourage you today as we read about Peter. And I want to tell you from my own heart, everybody has setbacks. Listen, many of us in this room have had failures. Many of us. Many of us, right, even as we sit here today, have a fear about the future. And I want to tell you today, God's not finished with you yet. Let me say something even bigger. God can handle your doubt. Talk to him about your doubt. Talk to him. Make a decision. You're not going to stop and just settle. Listen, it's your decision whether you're going to stop at nothing. Stop when you didn't catch anything. It's your decision, my church family, whether this is going to be the end or this is going to be a new beginning for you. It's your decision. And I just want to tell you, he's not finished with you yet. And I don't know what you've done. I don't know right now what's keeping you from Jesus. But I want to tell you, he's not finished yet. He's not finished yet. And here's the great news. Here's number three. Jesus is still calling you today. He's still calling you today. And this is what's kind of annoying. He doesn't stop calling. 
He doesn't stop texting, even if you don't text back. Even if you DM him on Facebook, he's not going to stop. He's going to keep. That, that was what really drew me to him is that there was a point in my life where I believed that he didn't exist. I didn't believe in him, right? And I, I remember, and he kept talking to me. And I was like, and I kept saying to myself, nobody cares about me. And I just hear this voice, I care about you. Nobody believes in me. I believe in you. No, no, you don't because you don't exist. How could you care? You don't exist. And he keeps calling you. He keeps pursuing you. And he will do it until the day that you die. He's not finished. And he doesn't quit even when you quit. And you know what? Watch this. When the ladies go to the tomb because Jesus had died, when they go to the tomb, the angel spoke to the ladies. And look at what the angel said in Mark chapter 16, verse 7. The angel told the ladies, but go, tell his disciples and, come on, say it loud. He's still calling Peter. He says, go tell the disciples, and then he singles out Peter. He says, go tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there he will see him just as he told you. I find interesting is that Galilee wasn't, it's just, it's more than a, a geographical location. Galilee was actually the place that Jesus first called Peter. And it's like Jesus was saying this, and maybe he's saying this to you today in whatever level you're at. It's like Jesus was saying, I want to remind you of the calling I gave you. Because life is busy, and you've had some trip-ups. But I want to tell you, the calling is without repentance, the Bible says. The gifts and the calling, God is still calling And I think that this is a great revelation to Peter, but it needs to be a great revelation to us today that God is still calling. Are you ready for this? I just find this so interesting. Peter's back fishing again. Come on, say it's fishy. He's back fishing again because he returned to his old life. He's fishing again. He goes back to his past. And Peter says, look, in John chapter 12, 21 verse 3, it says, says this. I'm going out to fish, he's telling the guys. Jesus had died. He doesn't see a vision of the future. I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. Some, some disciples go with him. Listen to this. So they went out, and they got into the boat, but that night they caught They go back to their old life. They go back to fishing without Jesus, and they caught nothing again. Nothing. To me, this is indicative. What do you have to go back to? Nothing. Do you know what? Here's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that without God, you will never do as much as you will with God. And it's like this miracle happened all over again because they launch out and they catch nothing. And then they see this figure walking on the beach. And they're like, what? Who is that? And it was Jesus. And Jesus walks up to him. It's almost like the same scenario. He sees that they caught nothing, but he's still calling them. And this is what he says. He says, take your nets throw them on the right side of the boat and you know what they do they take their nets they do what Jesus says and they throw them on the right side of the boat and they catch so much fish that they can't even bring it back to the shore without him the Bible says we can do nothing I know what some of you are thinking well I do this I do that yeah you can do but you know what you'll do nothing significant in life without him And Jesus restores Peter. My church family, Peter, will be one of the key figures of the New Testament. 
And he's not only gonna be one of the key figures of the New Testament, he's gonna bring people to Jesus. Miles Monroe says this, Jesus didn't call you just to make a living, he called you to make a difference. And if you think that God put you on this earth just to pay bills, you're missing the whole abundant life that he came to give you. And I know I have to pay bills too, but my life is not just about making a living. My life is about making a difference for the kingdom of God and understanding that my strengths are for service and that God is still calling you today. And Peter's life, my church family, is still speaking to us today. He's speaking to us today. Do you know that when we get to heaven, and I hope that you all will join me there, but when we get to heaven, do you know the Bible talks about in the book of Revelation that you're gonna see a wall with 12 foundational stones and guess whose name is gonna be on one of those stones? Peter. Because God's not finished with you yet and God wasn't finished with Peter yet. Here's number four as we close. Your past doesn't disqualify you from being used from God today. As a matter of fact, your past is preparing you for what God has for you. And everything that's happened in the past, God can use, right? All things to work together for your good. I'm not saying that the divorce was his and he made that happen. But what I am saying today, that if you'll turn your nothing into the nevertheless, since you've been through a divorce, why don't you try to help some people that are going through one right now? Why don't you, if you were addicted to this or that, why don't you, if God has saved you and, and give you freedom, why don't you help somebody else get there too? Listen, if you're going to heaven, why don't we help some other people get there too? Listen, the Bible says it's not our good works that get, people to he- that, that, that get us to heaven, but I'll tell you what, our good works do help other people get there. And so God is calling us today, and he's not finished. God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And here's where I want to end. God isn't finished yet. Do you know what the best ability is? Availability. To say, God, you've called me. How many of you in this room, God has spoken some things in your heart that you know haven't come to pass yet? Let me see, let me see your hand. I want to tell you, God's not done yet. He's not finished. And will you allow him And are you willing to allow Jesus to continue to work in you right here, right now? God's not finished with you, my church family. God's not finished with Passion Life Church yet. God's not finished in your family. God's not finished in your work. He's not finished yet. And are we willing to allow Jesus to continue to work in us right here? Because I want to say this. God is calling you to a bigger life. God is calling you to more. He's calling you not just to put out a net, but to put out your nets. Because when you say nevertheless at your word and God does the miracle, he gets all the glory. Come on, would you give him a good round of applause today? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.